Hello, and welcome to the BLA, or Black Leaders Achievers podcast. My name is Kyla Hur, and today we're going to be talking about Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman was born into slavery. Therefore, no records of her birth were kept, and the exact date of her birth is unknown. She believes she was born in 1825. She testified to this date in a pension application in 1890, when she claimed she was 67 and in 1892, when she claimed she was 67 years old. In both instances, the year 1825 was consistent. However, she did not know her true age, and there was no way to determine the actual year of her birth. To add to the confusion, her death certificate indicates she was born in 1815, and her gravestone in Auburn's Hill Cemetery, 1820. Harriet Tubman was born Araminta Ross in Dorchester County, Maryland. She was nicknamed Minty by her parents. Harriet Green, also known as Rit, was Minty's mother. She was a cook at the big house. Minty's maternal grandmother came from Africa in a slave ship that conducted the transatlantic slave trade. Her name was Modesty, and it was believed that she was an Ashanti from Ghana or Ivory Coast. She was eventually sold to Athau Pattison. There is no information on the origin of Minty's other grandparents. Ethel Patterson stipulated in his will that Ritt and her children be manumitted when they turned 45 years of age. Ritt's father was a white man of unknown identity. Minty's father was Ben Ross, a slave owned by Anthony Thompson. He was a skilled woodsman who oversaw other slaves cut and log timber for the growing shipbuilding industry in Maryland. Ross and Green met sometime in 1803. After Joseph Broadus's death, which temporarily merged Thompson and Broadus's properties, in 24 years the couple had nine children: Lina, Mary O'Reilly, Soph, Robert, Araminta or Harriet, Ben, Rachel, Henry, and Moses. Minty was the fifth one born. She had four sisters and four brothers. Ben Ross was manumitted at age 45 but continued to work for Thompson as a free man and supplemented his income by hiring out his labor. Harriet Ritt, Minty's mother, was owned by Joseph and Mary Pattison Broadus. Mary Pattison inherited Ritt from her father, Anthal Pattison. When Joseph Broadus died in 1803, Mary was left in charge of Bucktown Farm and their toddler son, Edward. Minty's father, Ben Ross, was the property of Anthony Thompson, who owned the Madison Plantation. Thompson was a widow who had three sons. Mary Broadus and Anthony Thompson married. Thompson managed, managed Mary's property, including her slaves. Mary Broadus died a few years later in 1809 and left her property, which included 200 acres of land and a number of slaves, to her son Edward, who was only eight years old at the time. In 1822, when Edward was 21 years old, he got married and took over Bucktown. He brought the slaves he had inherited from his mother, including Ritt and her children, separating them from their father. The broadest plantation was small compared to the others in the area. Slaves were so much more important to them as their income was closely, closely tied to them. By 1825, his farm was struggling financially and started selling his slaves. The first ones to go were Minty's older sisters, Mariah, and then Lina and Soph. 
Tumman's childhood was cut short when she was hired at age five to take care of an infant. This was her first job of many to come away from her mother. Minty was far too young to assume such a responsibility in addition to household work. She recalled being on duty and at nights to make sure the baby did not cry. She had to continuously rock the baby's cradle or hold her in her arms. Every time a cry was heard, her mistress would whip her around the neck. These were her first scars, and they remained for the rest of her life. Minty was weak and malnourished, so she was sent home. At the plantation, her mother would nurse her back to health, and she would be hired to other households again and again. According to her recollections, she was always homesick. When Tumman was about seven years old, she was hired out to collect muskrats from traps. The job required being constantly wet from the waist down. She had contracted measles and gone to work. As a result, she was extremely weak and collapsed. When she was about eight, she was hired to another household. One day, one day, while her masters were having an argument, she took a lump of sugar, which she had never tasted. Her mistress found out, and afraid of the punishment, she ran away. For three days, she found shelter in a pig pen, where she had to compete with pigs for scrapes of food. Later in her life, she described this period of her life as being severely neglected. By age 12, Minty was considered strong enough to work in the fields. She was hired by a man named Barrett. Tubman preferred the harsh physical work in the plantation rather than doing the domestic work and being subjected to white women. At this time, during the beginning of her adolescent years, Minty's Christian faith started to intensify. One day, when Tubman was in the grocery store, she spotted a fugitive slave. His overseer was about to confront him as he tried to escape the store. Minty stood in the doorway blocking the overseer's way as to give the slave enough time to escape. The overseer had just picked up a heavy metal weight from the counter and aimed it at the slave, but instead hit Minty in the head. Years later, she remembered the episode. The weight broke my skull and cut a piece of my shawl clean off and drove it into my head. They carried me to the house all bleeding and fainting. I had no bed, no place to lie down on at all, and they laid me on the seat of the loom, and I stayed there all day and the next. It took months for Minty to recover from the head injury. Broadus tried to sell her, but was in unable to find a buyer. After this injury, Tubman would fall asleep anywhere, and it was impossible to wake her up. Her sleeping spells would come to her without warning. She also started having vivid dreams related to her re religion. She would never fully recover from this injury. In later life, she would have surgery to alleviate the symptoms. Between 1850 and 1860, Tubman made 19 trips from the south to the north, following the network known as the Underground Railroad. Before she became a conductor, Tubman escaped through the Underground Railroad herself. Her attempt was on September 17th with two of her brothers, but Harry and Ben returned after reward money was sent out. Harriet, though, continued on to Pennsylvania. Once Tubman reached the Free States, she went back to help save her family. In December 1850, Tubman received a warning that her niece Kasiah was going to be sold along with her two young children. Kasiah's husband, 
a free black man named John Valley, made the winning bid for his wife at the auction in, in Baltimore. Tubman then helped the entire family make the journey to Philadelphia. In 1850, the Fugitive Slave Law was made. It stated that any slave in the North can be captured and be returned to slavery. This made the Underground Railroad even harder to traverse. So Harriet changed her path to Canada, which prohibited slavery categorically. Tubman remained active during the Civil War. Working for the Union Army as a cook and a nurse, Tubman quickly became an armed scout and spy. The first woman to lead an armed expedition in the war, she guided the Combahee River Raid, which liberated more than 700 slaves in South Carolina. Harriet Tubman died of pneumonia on March 10, 1913. She was surrounded by friends and family at around the age of 93. As Tubman aged, the head injury sustained early in her life became more painful and disruptive. She underwent braid surgery at Boston's Massachusetts General Hospital to alleviate the pains and buzzing she experienced regularly. Tubman was eventually admitted into the rest home named in her honor. She was buried with military honors at Fort Hill Cemetery in Auburn. Tubman became an American icon in the years after she died. She continues to inspire a generation of Americans struggling for civil rights. In 1978, the movie A Woman Called Moses came out, which commemorated her life. And in 2019, the movie Harriet was released, which told the stories of Harriet as a conductor. Also in 2016, the U.S. Treasury Department announced that she would replace Jackson on the $20 bill. This decision was highly praised. As of January 2021, the Biden administration has mentioned that they are exploring ways to speed up the release of the Tubman $20 bill. Tubman devoted her life to racial equality and fought for women's rights. She worked hard to fight for what's right and free others. She is an inspiration to many and is an icon to all. Thank you so much for listening to the BLA podcast. My name is Kyla Hur, and I hope you have a great day.